Is it Rob's turn to edit this week? <laughs> Fuck you. I think it is, Oh, this is all comedy gold. This is all staying in. Oh, yeah, all of it, yeah, including like the 10 seconds of silence between each bit. Yeah, um... yeah, yeah. I mean, <laughs> that's when you know it's comedy, when it, when the dead silence follows. <laughs> See, I thought Hello, you were going to say that's how you Welcome to podcasting as Praxis. Oh, fucking hell. Do that again. Yeah, I'm going to. Hello and welcome to podcasting as Praxis. I'm David and I'm here again with Rob. Hello. Jamie. You all right? James. <laughs> Third time for charm, eh? Oh, oh good damn, Jamie. <laughs> I just, I've, come, I've come here straight off an hour of solid competence. I just, I'm not equipped for this. Like, you know what I mean? The, the change in gears is staggering. Oh fuck's sake! Oh, I was gonna, totally fine again. until I heard Jamie's giggle. Yeah, and I was saying. God, saying. <laughs> <laughs> oh fuck! Right, okay. We will start this episode. <sighs> fuck's sake. Are we doing this again? Or are we just, what the fuck are we doing? Yeah, now? Jesus Christ. I need to reset. We're trying to, we're trying to compose ourselves. Okay. <laughs> Be upstanding. Yeah, all right, everyone stand up. <laughs> yeah. Remarkably, that did help. Yeah, I know, it was weird, didn't it? Yeah, yeah. We, we've set the tone for the rest of the evening. Welcome back to Podcasting as Praxis. I'm David and I'm here with Rob. Hello. Jamie. You alright? James. Hello. And Alistair. Hi. I've seen, I feel like I've seen you guys before tonight. <laughs> it does feel <laughs> like Strong that. feelings of deja vu. Mm, yeah. Um, anyway, never mind that. Um, so we're going to start this episode by uh, doing, a, doing a clip show, effectively, and revisiting a bunch of old <laughs> shit that we've already done. I uh, think first up, we're going to talk quickly about Afghanistan. Yeah, all's well that ends well, I like to think. Uh, congratulations. Uh, as we talked about, I think, first with Nate from TF in episode 63. This time, the Americans have really pulled out of uh, most of Afghanistan, including... Uh, Bagram Air Force Base, which means that because we've left behind a stable, open democracy that that is capable of defending itself, the Taliban uh, is advancing very quickly. Uh, last week, over a dozen more districts have fallen into their hands. Hundreds of <laughs> good work to everyone involved. <laughs> well done, all. Uh, do have it. We do have a new patron goal to take the soundboard off of David again, just so you know. Yeah, it's just so you can rearm it, though, James, isn't it? Now give it to me. Um, okay, yeah, we, we need to have a we need to have a pact of mutually assured destruction, but Jamie is never allowed to get a soundboard. No. <laughs> 
uh, specifically a, a well done to the uh, US and UK trained Afghan security forces, hundreds of whom have already fled across the border, leaving a lot of the, the countryside they were defending in their hands. To be fair, they did this because they were mainly left without any supplies, were vastly outnumbered by the Taliban and had consequently lost any morale or desire to fight the enemy. Real, real full of Saigon hours, although unfortunately they're not <laughs> fleeing communism. Genuinely, it, 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 like I said, they, the US has, I think yesterday, as of this recording, abandoned the main Air Force base, Bagram Air Force Base, uh, which was officially handed over. But they left in the usual American style when they proclaimed victory. They literally left in the middle of the night. The last flight... To, uh, <laughs> last flight was at 3 a.m., uh, at which time they turned off the electricity and didn't tell the Afghan army that they'd actually departed. So the whole place got looted between 3 a.m. and 8 a.m. So while we're enjoying that one, I just want to uh. dredge something from the vault of history, which is that The Onion literally did an article back in the 2000s, I think it was, about the United States leaving Afghanistan in the middle of the night <laughs> like you know and and not telling anyone and just being gone the next day and uh like people say the the onion can't do satire it can only predict current events and <laughs> like these guys have some real cursor cassandra bullshit they're prophesying the future and everyone thinks that they're just like cracking jokes essentially fuck me yeah. So apparently all the UK regular troops are now out as well, but they're, they're not making any comments as always about uh, the SES and any uh, intelligence forces. So assume that there are some number of death squads possibly under UK command still roaming the countryside looking easy for way, rooms to easy, ever. Easy way to figure out where they are. They're, they're in the buildings with AC that's still running. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> presumably. The thing that really puts sort of the icing on the cake uh, on this one, at a press conference quite quickly afterward, after it was found out that literally we'd left in the middle of the night, uh, when asked about it, Joe Biden brushed off questions about this, saying that this was the July 4th holiday weekend. And <laughs> this is... Oh, yeah. This is such a Chad move. <laughs> but, but he oh. literally said, and this is a quote, I just want to talk about happy things, man. <laughs> that's what i do when people ask me annoying questions yeah yeah yeah. like i don't <laughs> want to talk about these bummers like you know wasting trillions and killing hundreds of thousands of people for absolutely zero reason i just want to talk what about happy gonna... things eat ice cream is man. that is, is that an option can i do that at the start of podcast episodes no no i think you it has to be that. jamie to do that <laughs> you live in the united kingdom james so no such luxuries are afforded to you uh, i am sadly unchatted carry on <laughs> So yeah, it's uh, it, this is at least one bookend of our glorious uh, restoration of democracy and making the world safe from terrorisms. So congratulations Three. to all of us, you know. We, we, we did it, whatever it is, but we did it. Yeah. <laughs> For some definition of the word it. It's the, it's the whole thing from Burn After Reading again. I always come back to this. It's the, what did we learn, Palmer? <laughs> I, I don't really quite know, sir. Just like that whole segment sums up American foreign policy a lot of the time. I thought you were talking about, um, I thought you were talking about George Clooney shooting what's-his-face in the closet. I mean, let's be perfectly <laughs> frank, pretty much that entire movie could be taken as a metaphor for US imperialism at one point or another. Anyway. <laughs> but yeah, I mean, it is extraordinary when you think about it. Like, we were there for nigh on 20 years at this point, uh, maybe almost exactly to the day. I can't remember when the first invasion genuinely happened in Afghanistan, when we when the US dropped the first paratroopers in. And 20 years, you know, 
like even even when the US left Saigon, it was front page news everywhere. And this is just bled to death we we just seem to sort of have moved on because there's i don't know there's shit on tv and i don't know this is there a new season of stranger things or something we should be worried about fuck there's just there's just none of the excitement of like uh the impending wrath of communism uh to 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 really fire up the blood of the you know columnists newspapers yeah on the other hand, like, I mean, you know, like I said, the Taliban will probably be back in government. I, I don't know, hard to predict, but I would say if it takes a year, it's a long time. It's quite of, kind of impressive that, you know, we just left. We literally turned off the fucking lights, waved, didn't even wave goodbye and just left. And nobody gives a shit. It's ex- fucking extraordinary. Uh, it's almost like, I don't know, just trying me here. It's almost like we probably didn't really need to go in in the first place. Like, it wasn't actually really accomplishing anything meaningful. Yeah, but had we not gone in, James, you know, you might have been much unsafer in the last 20 years. Well, <laughs> I, I suppose, yeah, definitely. This reminds me, didn't... Right, so am I hallucinating this, or was there a story about how members of the Taliban were willing to give up al-Qaeda, yep. basically, and this just got completely ignored by the Americans and the British and the rest of the coalition of the willing or whatever the fuck I think specifically the by now rotting corpse fuck you Donald Rumsfeld who just said no we're not dealing with the Taliban I think that was <laughs> rest in piss you fucking ghoul yeah fuck it's you it's how how is Kissinger still alive how because he did feeds he just... on the deaths of these ones did he turn around when the Reaper showed up and he said, well, I can make you a better offer and the Reaper <laughs> said, that's going to be really fucking hard and he's like, well, how about not only Donald Rumsfeld, but also a bunch of all the... <laughs> but also the entire point him. of the Afghanistan war. <laughs> oh my god, yeah. Actually, that makes sense. Oh, fucking hell. Well, off off the topic of Afghanistan, let's talk about something else that we've briefly spoke about and um, also involves a long time in the military. <laughs> Even longer than the Afghan war, of all things, which is a, in, 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 in a compliment in and of itself. Uh, this is a call back to episode 84, Tanks for Nothing. I want to bring us back to my possibly my favorite army vehicle, the, the Ajax. Uh, still on one. It's back. I do, I do like how for, for, for a nominally not tanky podcast, <laughs> we do talk about this shit quite a lot. <laughs> I mean, if you whatever, yeah, just listen to episode eighty-four if you want to get the full story. But it is an amazing piece of shit. And the last <laughs> time they took it out of service, which is when we talked about it for the first time, was because it was produced. It was vibrating so bad it couldn't shoot, and and making so much noise that the soldiers got tinnitus and had swollen joints from riding around in it. So they took it back to the shop and made some doodles with it. Um, unfortunately, it has it has been withdrawn again. Uh, this is according to the Ch- Times, the d- their defense editor, Larissa Brown. They got new and even better ear defenders, but apparently these were still <laughs> not rigorous enough. They're just wearing like a full head of like uh, insulating foam and it's just rattling their head around like a pinball. <laughs> I mean, t- just to remind you, to date we've spent £3.2 billion on these Ajax. Uh, there are currently only 14, 14 existing vehicles in service none of whom have a turret, and all of whom are in different sizes, out of an order of 589. <laughs> they, could have given, they could have given that money to some fucking prick off Robot Wars, and he'd have just done up a bunch of transit vans with, like, Tremex <laughs> and fucking buzzsaws or some shit. And that would have been... Probably wouldn't be any use, but, you know... More, probably more use than this fucking got, thing. Yeah. 
<laughs> isn't isn't it isn't it also like giving giving people like fucking like radiation burns or some shit? Yes, it is. That's was literally what I was about to to, to say. Like they turn the entire thing into a microwave antenna. <laughs> I mean, this is the new thing that that I didn't know about that that I only just found out that apparently, again, this is according to the Times. There's a problem with radiation emitted from the antenna in the vehicle, uh, and it is understood that the General Dynamics is trying to move the antenna to a place where soldiers are put at at less risk. Not no risk, at less risk. <laughs> yeah, I mean, well, yeah, because you're always going to have that, like, in some degree of defense of this, you will always have a radiation risk from a military antenna because it's it's very high frequency. Um, but at the same time, you can absolutely mitigate that risk. Like the old, um, the old fucking personal radios, they had a really strong fucking antenna which would give mm. you like burns and shit so what did they do they burns. just put it on a really long yeah oh yeah if you have if it was on the whole time right next to you touching your skin you could burn yourself on it um Jeez. but well yeah no you say that but then all they had to do was just put it on a really long whippy aerial and have the business end <laughs> at the top of it and that no longer caused a problem and it's and it's largely fine so yeah it's like yeah, it's, yeah. they can probably fix it they again. They should probably have considered when they designed the fucking thing. This will probably need to have a communications antenna. I thought you were going to say we'll need to have safe. a human being in it. But also, yes, it's a, it's a little bit staggering, right? Because when you think about it, so there's the the whole inverse square law, whereby the further you are away from a thing, like for every doubling a distance, quarters, I believe it is the amount of radiation. For every unit of distance, you have uh, the square root of the fort effect of the yes. fort. Essentially, right. So, as a consequence to this, you'd kind of think that would be pretty obvious for the sake of the antenna on the roof of this thing. But mm -hmm. also, we're missing a key component here, which is that antenna is presumably on the outside of a fucking tank. Honestly, so at just... this point, who knows? Because it's been well, redesigned so many times, it might literally be like in the driver's lap for reasons passing human understanding. <laughs> well, but that's the thing. Like, how the fuck is this thing positioned that the steel plating one presumes that's in the way, or is it aluminium? Who knows? Um, like, how how on earth is this getting through? Have they basically just built a very rattly microwave? Did it just kind of ding one day and they went, oh, it's done? <laughs> and then after they swept out the remains of the soldiers inside, they decided they needed to put this back in testing? Like, <laughs> Jesus Christ. Well, apparently this is, again, uh, uh, according to the, the Times, they had MOD sources, I'll, I'll quote... MOD sources said the army had asked for the impossible vehicle, adding they went to general. <laughs> One that doesn't shake the soldiers to bits. It's impossible. It can't be done. Is it like is it like the impossible burger? Is it vegan? Uh, they... I'm just I'm just picturing all the soldiers sat in the back of this, each one like holding a plate with a rustler's burglar on, uh, burger on, <laughs> turning it slowly as it drives along. <laughs> it's we, a living. Can, can we investigate the concept of a rustler's burglar? <laughs> Oh, well, I assume that's like the fucking Hamburglar, isn't it? Well, but, uh, yeah, you know well, I mean? <laughs> the you, knockoff. You, might you have to microwave the cunt yourself. <laughs> <laughs> but Jamie, this is probably why they have to get out of the vehicle every 90 minutes, because the, the Ajax will just go bing, and the, the sauce, burgers are done. The sauce, the sauce packets are on the outside. <laughs> <laughs> uh, we don't oh. eat well. <laughs> but yeah, apparently, the, the so the army went to the contractor, General Dynamics, and said, can you deliver this impossible vehicle? Uh, I'm quoting from the sources again. And they said, yes. 
Oh. What's that? Infinite money with no accountability? Sure, I'll put you on the moon. Yeah, I, I mean, if the fucking army came to you and went like, you know, it's like, it's it, like, I imagine being a military contractor is like being a guy who knew any HTML in 1998. Do you know what I mean? Like, people just turn up and just, oh, I'll give you, like, all this money if you make us a website. You go, I can do that. Oh, I want, like, it's- an animated, like, like an animated screen with my dog, like, roaring through, like, the fucking, like, Tyne Bridge or some shit. You go, aye, aye, no problem, mate. Like, here's the money. You're not, so here's the thing, you're not far wrong, Jamie. I've got a little inside bit. So, obviously, I did uh, I did software engineering at Glasgow in for my sins back in the day. And back then on a degree program, when you started computing science, they taught us a language called Ada. Ada 95, I think it was specifically, right? And we were all a bit puzzled because, like, well, why, why isn't it something like Java or, you know, something that's used by literally any production environment in the world? Or even like and one of those what? archaic but still technically useful languages like COBOL. Yeah, well, like, I mean, that would be, you know, awful for a starting language, but still. So we actually asked the lecturers this, and, you know, I'll never forget replying because they said, well, we like Ada because it's actually a pretty good teaching language. It lays a lot of things out explicitly that other languages just kind of hide away, and so it's not bad as a start. The other reason is, of course, for all the subcontractors for Ministry of Defense all use it. <laughs> and we just kind of did a big double take and went, excuse me? And we're like, yeah, no, just they, they all use it. They use it to program the rockets and all the rest of that. <laughs> Weird shit. that you'd bring that so, up. Uh, <laughs> yeah, and I, I had to I had to do um I had to do COBOL at, at college on my B Tech, and I got like I got a bollock off the lecturer because I asked her one day if it's if it was short for complete bollocks. <laughs> <laughs> well, I mean, Jamie, you were saying earlier uh, that you would just take the money because why not? Yeah. So this is from a different piece, also in the the Times by Tim Ripley. Um, I'll quote again: Ministers ministers are said to be unhappy ministers. with the. Comp- Ministers are said to be unhappy with a contract signed by David Cameron's government, with one source suggesting that payments are not linked to the delivery of working vehicles. Ta-da! Oh, I see. There's nothing in the rules that says a vehicle has to be delivered. I'm furiously <laughs> well, taking notes here for my future contracts. Go on. <laughs> But yeah, so according to one defense expert, he looked at all the flaws in the Ajax, who probably listened to this episode, and said that it could take yet another five or six years before the Ajax is operational. <laughs> so that extends the delivery time right up past 25 years. And this thing just continues to amaze, and I really what hope that the... we get... Sorry, what was the um, the last time it was extended? How long was it like extended for? It was the last, like, formal day uh, uh, when the government said you'll really have it was in 2019. It's now 2021, but all it does is reduce soldiers to paste and give them tinnitus. And also, just wait, just wait, them. though. It'll probably it'll probably oscillate at a different frequency once they have to make the fucking thing amphibious in five years' time. <laughs> <laughs> I'm just suddenly I've understood how the Borealis ship disappeared. Bad contracting. <laughs> Just, you know what I mean? Five years' time, they're going to be delivering an amphibious vehicle, and then it's like, oh no, we need to cover it in asbestos because the world's oceans are all aflame. <laughs> Jamie, that you are describing a process of making a vehicle able to go in water that the MOD is just not capable of arranging. <laughs> maybe oh, we could have just... been so capable of arranging this one. It would have been, maybe it's just easier to put wheels on Trident. Yeah, fucking drive it like, a, like the fucking guy at the end of. Um... What is that oh, shitty Doctor movie Strange again where, where cities have grown wheels and are driving around and shooting at each other? Oh, <laughs> Immortal Engines! Thank you. <laughs> oh, what a fucking terrible movie. I was, I was talked about um, 
Doctor Strangelove, <laughs> an actually good movie. Ah, okay. But... <laughs> so yeah, the Ajax continues to be uh, amazing, and we'll find out just how good it is uh, when the uh, next head of the army <laughs> in twenty thirty three. When the next head of the army is a guy called Mister Tickle, I'm I'm all joking about that. Um, he's currently the deputy chief, and he's the one who's still really passionate about the Ajax. Uh, and he's the guy <laughs> and children and children's reading books. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, the Ajax. That's, that's going to be a hell of a book. Mister Tickle goes to war. <laughs> like, uh... Mister Tickle's the art of war. <laughs> <laughs> it's just, <laughs> that's just quietly sitting outside your vehicle and vomiting. It'll be great. I'm just I'm just picturing some like guy at the, at the MOD looking at like Mister Tickle's just frankly insane wingspan and just picturing the kind of like <laughs> enormous future rifle they could get him to hold. Do you know what I mean? It's like 40 meters long. Mr. Tickle with a real gun. Yeah. (laughs) We all remember our favourite childhood book, Mr. Tickle and the Rail Gun. (laughs) He's just fucking like, just like owning cunts all over the map like Quake 3, but he's actually stood in one spot and just like moving his arms around. (laughs) Oh, fuck's sake. (laughs) <laughs> Mr. Tickle and the orbital re-entry gods from Rhodes. <laughs> I said that wrong way around. Gods from Rhodes. Motherfucker. Yeah. 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 Okay. Rhodes from God. Real competence hours. Who's up? God's, God's, Man, I've had, I've, well, I've certainly had not day. the MOD. That's one thing I fucking tell you. Gods from Rod was a classic Simpsons episode. I was going to say, at least James <laughs> recognised that mistake. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, well, we'll just take another 20 years to produce this episode, and at some point we'll just get the bugs out of this section. <laughs> oh, yeah. Are we, get, are, we getting, are we getting three billion for this piece of shit, are we? <laughs> <laughs> what, what I want to know is if we're microwaving our patrons while we're doing that, basically. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. If you, our listener, are getting tinnitus from listening to this episode, don't write in. Imagine being sat in the back of that and the, like, the back door opens and just a giant hand just puts like a hot dog in. <laughs> <laughs> oh, fucking hell. Much like the MOD's approach to building the Ajax, we just keep cramming bits in and hoping it'll fit together somehow. <laughs> oh, yeah, Rob, move us on. We've gotten some actual uh, Labour policy. Rachel Reeves, our fine new Shadow Chancellor... Uh, was integra- interviewed naturally in the uh, Telegraph last weekend. Was that be- was that behind a paywall by any chance? That was behind the paywall by some <laughs> chance. Yes. <laughs> oh, fantastic! I love to make my policy <laughs> announcement. But <laughs> yes, <laughs> but, that, but that is where you know where we where the Labour Conservatives and Labour switches live. They live behind the Tory a, paywall. It's such a fucking like. <sighs> Yeah, here's where you get your fucking Labour Party policies. You have to fork out to the fucking Telegraph to find them. Love that. <laughs> yeah, so there was a couple of bits. I'll, I'll save the main for, for last. But the first one, she said that Labour could support a tax rate cut for business because, and I quote, companies are where wealth is created and where jobs are created. Uh... This is, is, is it, was it Rachel Reeves who said that she'd never read, read Marx? Yeah, that day. was also her this week. Fantastic. Okay, well, it, uh, tell me you haven't read Marx without telling me you haven't read Marx. <laughs> <laughs> 
So it's just oh, great to see that Labour um, coming off the back a stonking victory, uh, about which more later, is, is just back on saying that business is the most important, but maybe not as important as her other overriding concern, which is that uh, she wants the public to believe that Labour can be trusted with the public finances. So we're just back on this shit again. Yeah, by firing bullets into, ev- into the head of every single person who walks into a fucking job centre. <laughs> fucking yeah, but, I mean, probably. Shit. It's, I mean, it's amazing. Like, this is the, the, the future strategy shit again. And we're just again talking about, you know, as if it's 2011 again. This is just the, this is the bad Miliband years. I mean, they were all bad, but this is like the really bad Miliband years again. Jesus Christ. I mean, they just can't help themselves but seed ground like this. It, because, uh, they're, they're, because she can't go out into the Telegraph as much as they'd love it and say, oh, yeah, we're just going to beat the shit out of the left until... You know, Keir Starmer either falls over dead or mysteriously ends up with like loads of knives in his back for some reason just after party <laughs> conference. Maybe he goes out for a walk and accidentally shoots himself. <laughs> yeah, maybe goes out for a cycle and then uh, ends up hitting a SUV for some reason. <laughs> anyway, when once she was tweeting about the article behind the paywall in the Telegraph, uh, Rachel Reeves also mentioned that one of the key growth sectors for the UK will be fintech. So look out for more Bitcoin in the UK. If- oh, oh, I'm hard already. Let's fucking go. More just Bitcoin. whole sections of the Amazon just going poof as she speaks. Fantastic. <laughs> but apparently the new main thrust... The you, main- can't, you can't see the face I'm making or the, the fucking bird I'm flipping at. Like, you know, the, the fintech <laughs> is the future of Bitcoin horse shit. But I sincerely hope her and everyone else in the Labour Party... Quite <laughs> frankly, like when they mention when they mention fintech, the dolphins momentarily perk up, but then they realise it's related to the acidification of the oceans, and well, the misery just continues. Ah, oh, and, and it doesn't have Posadism. anything to it. Posad- yeah, <laughs> yeah. Sorry, lads, it's not the end of the world we were hoping for. Do you reckon? Do you reckon the Ajax fighting vehicle? How long do you think that would take to cook a dolphin? <laughs> Depends, depends how close the dolphin is. Yeah, it depends. Is it in amphibious mode at the time, or are we taking the dolphin on time? Have we immersed the fucking Ajax in the ocean with the dolphin? Reverse it into the tank with the back door open, you know what I mean? It can't reverse! <laughs> no, we, we, we've been over this, we can't go in reverse, Jamie. Oh, fucking... It couldn't well, go over obstacles of a certain height, but 20 you could just tip it into SeaWorld, that'd be fucking fine, like, you know what I mean? Just build a ramp. We have to think of everything. <laughs> This is when this is when the MOD takes like fifteen years to develop a ramp that is actually just ends up being a set of stairs. But you know, they probably like they'll develop an, an amphibious mode for it, and then somehow it'll be fucking water repellent. It'll go in the ocean, and the ocean will retract. I'm I'm picturing I'm picturing an amphibious version of this that has little like holes for oars down each side. <laughs> just reinvented a fucking trireme. <laughs> oh, you bastards! Oh, oh, just slowly making their way towards. Fucking some Germany as some guy to... some guy poking out of the turret with like a fucking huge raggedy beard and a radiation tan like fucking like a do you know what I mean like a sun <laughs> sunburnt Hagar the horrible <laughs> like, you can always like, tell screaming at everyone always, to roar you can always tell the troops who are assigned to the Ajax because they've got those rimy blue sea eyes <laughs> <laughs> maybe instead of the turret you can have one guy sitting on top with like a big set of drums like marking the beat so the guys in <laughs> In in the Ajax can uh, can right. row on time. 
I, think, I know I think... we don't want to talk about Labour, but please can we get I back was, on the I was going to say, bit? David, I was going to say, David, it says a lot that there's so much more to riff on on the fucking shit tank than there is in Labour, because it's just like, yeah, you kind of expect this from Labour at this point, but at least... Yeah, who wants to <laughs> at least there's some about Labour? It's like, you know what I mean? They, they, they hung on by the skin of their fucking dicks at that by-election, and they're doing victory laps like they fucking single-handedly liberated fucking, like, do you know what I mean? Paris or some shit, Hubble. or... <laughs> Just who gives a fuck? You know what I mean. Just let let them have a fucking couple of weeks of absolute delusion until like Keith shits himself in public again. Look, Jamie, the thing you're not understanding is you're giving the, away all your material about the main story. <laughs> <laughs> That's what you're not. Well, it's all it's all the same fucking deluge of shite. Yeah, uh, but I specifically <laughs> wanted to talk briefly about this Rachel Reese thing because her the main new thing that was pushed out in all the press was um, is is our main is our main story tonight that fucking by election? Yes. <sighs> Can I, do you mind if I just do the dishes in the background like where you got crap on? <laughs> <laughs> oh. But yeah, so the main thing that was being pushed was that if Labour were in charge, the government would do more public procurement and buy British uh, would, would be the new um, idea, which is, of course, very much not the same as Gordon Brown's 2007 quasi-racist British jobs for British worker campaign. Uh, it's something completely new. Why can't they pull, call for something interesting, like just going for full autarky? Like that would be great. Like why not? Fucking at least, at least that would be novelty. That'd be very, that'd be very much novelty. But it, if you, as far as I understand it, and I really tried to figure out the details of what she means by this by British policy. First would be to use taxpayer funded contracts to do more to help business and skills and workers and apprenticeships. Uh, uh, yeah, which is fucking terrible. It's but a skills wallets. But I was trying to work out because, like, you what you could no David, no David, Brit wallet. What I mean, if you were really like solid about it, you could use public procurement, which is a huge amount of money in in the UK and everywhere else, to really like. If you did do only buy from homegrown industries, you could make a significant dent. But so far do we as have I... any fucking do we have any homegrown industries? Not really. We had that that guy with the eels. We had that guy with the eels, but he had to shut down, didn't he? So do you know I what I mean? Know, was, gonna... the, uh, was was non-scriptography was that British? It sounds like it would be <laughs> nonce finance. <laughs> I mean yeah. that, oh, that was, that was... <laughs> Yes. That was categorically not British, or they wouldn't have fucking done it. Like, or they would have. No, that's not a guarantee at all. Uh, no, they 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 learned their lesson. They said, like, you know, that they learned their lesson that they should have checked what the word meant. And if they learned if they learned any kind of lesson at any point ever, they're clearly not fucking British, are they? <laughs> and also, if they learned any lesson ever, they're not involved in fucking Bitcoin, or, apart from anything else. But yeah, so apparently the detail of this thing is because I was trying to work out how serious it was, and would it surprise you that it's not? Because the only thing that it really is wow. um, is that public bodies under Labour would be required to publish details about how much they're buying from UK companies, but it's not an obligation to actually why, do it in the first place. Why? Uh, I mean, I, I'm asking this question rhetorically, but why are they incapable of just saying the Preston model and explaining what that is? Well, because here's the thing: they're so averse to the Preston model, they won't even do it yeah. at the national level. Yeah. yeah, I well, mean, that's, that's yeah. pretty much it. it they, they hate it because, like, someone who was in momentum once said, "Hey, that Preston model's pretty good, actually," and then therefore it's been consigned to the dustbin of history, even though it's still fucking going on. <laughs> never um, mind that. Never mind that Preston was one of the few places where they actually, if I remember right, yeah, yeah, they, fucking... they won very seriously, quite well, heavily in Preston, if I recall correctly. Yes, they <laughs> utterly, genuinely smashed it though. Yeah, so I then... think that. 
Labour's policy at the national level, if they if they were ever to get back in charge, ha ha ha, is uh, <laughs> probably the, the was it was it Croydon where all those council flats are flooded? It's one of the places where all those one council flats many, are flooded. Just, but oh, yeah. Right, well, yeah, it's probably it's probably the Croydon model. Yeah. yeah. Well, um, I mean, you joke, but there are uh, a lot of um, <clears throat> allegations involving certain people in Keir Starmer's office. So. Oh yeah, yeah, big Davy racism. We've covered this before. Yeah, we? yeah, we have talked <laughs> about this before. Yeah. Well, I mean, the people, the people in those flats in Croydon, like in five years or whatever, will be able to send in the Ajax amphibious fighting vehicle to rescue them. Ah, <laughs> <laughs> uh, such fucking, a I fucking hate search this and country. rescue. I wish it would burn down. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like, just... you keep wishing uh, more heat madness on us, on us, Jamie. But, the, Jamie, but, but the reason you know that this thing, which is stupid and will never happen, will definitely never happen, is because, and this was in the FT, uh, is it? It's because it's against the rules. Because oh no, you can't Britain, do that. That's illegal. Well, the the UK is still signatory to the World Trade Organization and our agreements with the U, EU, US, and other uh, things. Uh, so they can't implement this at all because it goes against WTO rules. And you know how the current Labour Party and Melts in general feel about international organizations and rules for sure. Yeah, but I mean, it's fine because they're never <laughs> going to be in power, so these promises don't matter. I mean, I mean, ultimately, uh, we we know that the fucking briefcase Labour dickheads who are currently in charge are perfectly happy to ignore like international treaties and obligations when it suits them. But for some reason, in this case, it not would the probably ne- hmm? yeah, not the neoliberal ones, not the ones that create all that great prosperity and all those yeah. fucking consultancy jobs they keep getting. Yeah. Anyway, so that's uh, that's new Labour policy because uh, they've, like I've just said, and <laughs> they've they've just won a stonking victory. So shall we talk about the stonking victory? Well, go on. Let's talk about stonks. <laughs> uh, yeah, so it went really well. I read in the papers that thanks to Keir Starmer, they've won a massive majority in a Tory marginal seat, which is definitely what Batley and Spen was before this election. Mm-hmm. And it's all it's all great. And, uh, you know, everybody who was plotting with George Galloway, all the loonies on the left, yeah, you better shut up now because you- Big Keir is back. Do you know what? I've actually been giving this a lot of thought, and it's quite—it's quite great, really. How but uh, the way that you know uh, the people in fucking Labour's head offices at the moment are going on as though this is like a resounding victory, and um, our best friend John Rental has described it as a, as a as a Labour gain, which is yeah, fascinating language. And do you know what? It actually it's dawned on me why that is, and I think you'll agree. It's basically because they consider the reason that the people that allowed Labour to hold the seat at the last, well, two I suppose uh, general elections. No, I mean it's been um, Labour's seat for very no, fucking I mean, long time. But, but specifically, yeah. the last yeah, the two last general two, elections yeah. is because they were they won it off the back of a lot of support from. People that they don't consider people like Muslim people uh, and other groups that they just want nothing to do with. They consider essentially less than human, as far as I'm concerned. It's this, uh, hence them describing it as a gain, because, you know, these aren't real people. So it was a Tory seat when you take the people who don't count out. And now that they've won it, not having to have those people, the, you know, the, what, 25%. Pop, uh, Muslim population in Batley and Spen, it's a it's a Labour gain, and you can't argue with that logic, even if you're a complete yeah. idiot. I mean, my least one of my genuinely least favorite cunts of the last couple of months is Paul Mason, who is really I, I'm trying to work out what what he's what his 
goal with like being a permanent Keith Outrider is because I can't work out if he's he's angling for a fucking job it's that simple have you tried to understand his position from a Marxist perspective (laughs) (laughs) have you tried have you tried to understand his position from like a high out high of your fucking mind perspective (laughs) yeah try smoking ball ball after ball of spice and then maybe you'll be able to achieve the same nirvana of Marxist thinking that he has yeah I mean this was a line that came out a bunch of times right after the election and i think he's the source but i can't be sure i'll just read uh, his tweet about it um there was a strong local candidate but losing socially sorry but losing socially conservative muslim voters over palestine and homophobia which is just a fucking like it's just fiction yeah just fucking fiction and wildly insulting like i'm i'm gonna i'm gonna take a wild stab in the dark and say it was nuke acres that came up with that <laughs> that really would not fucking surprise me at all. And frankly, like when when we talk about all these pricks like Akehurst and fucking Mason and Rentoul, <laughs> quite frankly, you know what I mean. <laughs> Hang on, let me go back and fill in the form for my pre- prevent officer, and make it a little easier. <laughs> I, I, I was just really vile. Like, I mean, genuinely, uh, uh, what was it today again? Trevor Phillips was reinstated without any fucking process. Oh, fuck that guy. Fucking put back in even though he's fucking islamophobic as hell just and in just... time uh, just in time for him to be able to host a tv show where he'll be able to interview front bench uh, front benches in the labor party weird coincidence that yeah i mean just genuinely is he, is he going is he going on gb news is he <laughs> <laughs> that will not fucking surprise me at this point but what i find even funnier is like there's some sections currently of like the 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 very soft left were like oh but you can't readmit trevor phillips because that it wasn't done by the guidebook and i'm just like did you people still not figure out that the guidebook you know why are you trying to ruse lo- rules lawyer with these people what the f- like who gives a shit this is why you're not in the fucking labor party jesus christ is extremely as david would say you can't do that that's illegal yeah like that, that's extremely how these guys operate essentially and that's why they have faith in the labor party at this point i'm pretty sure is this notional idea that you know that there's rules that can be fought by and therefore there's a potential for it to be recaptured when it's like no it's about power and you know de facto power does not care about de jure rules essentially well, i mean yeah. like m- much as i have have a lot of time and space for john mcdonald even even he was like oh the trevor phillips reinstatement shows that it's even stranger that corbyn isn't back in the party yet it's just like have you still not worked it out you know yeah do, do you not want to i mean i'm pretty hell? sure i'm pretty sure mcdonald gets it and he's trying to make a point by saying that but at the same time the entire point he's making is a bunch of process bullshit over any th- yeah. sort of actual meaningful material points. You do, so, you do yeah. kind of, you do kind of approach a point where the socialist campaign group and Labour basically turn into grifters, and I'm not saying intentionally, right? I'll give them the benefit of the doubt and say that you know they've got the courage of their convictions and they really do believe in etc. Cetera, etc. Cetera. I mean, but that's a lot is, more credit than I think the rest of us might give them. <laughs> well, okay, it depends. On, I'll be fair. I'll be really fair and say it depends on the member, right? Uh, okay. Yeah, there's a lot of variance within that group yeah. specifically. Yeah, some but of them are. There comes... <laughs> Still, oh, it's it's funny because it's true. Anyway, <laughs> there comes a certain point where, by this performance of you know there being a possibility, by this performance of giving people hope in rules and similar, they're essentially grifting people into paying subs and coming out and doing campaigning for them 
um, when they're not really going to give a return on this. Uh, like that, That's a problem. There comes a certain point where you become so ineffectual mm. as a political campaigner that the political promise you're making doesn't pan out. And um, it's very different if you're coming to it as a fresh thing, but if, you, if you've been there, if you've been through Corbyn, if you've been through all of that and you know the way this is going, then there comes a point where you kind of have to just own up Otherwise, you're misleading people, and I think the socialist campaign group are, are dangerously close to that, if not already there. Frankly. I think they are, they are think... collectively simping for their wife's boyfriend. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> I think I think uh, Phil McDuff's written quite a lot about um, sort of the implications of still believing in you know the institute of the Labour Party and what you could hope to achieve through it, and essentially, um, and this is. A, Broadly paraphrasing what he's like, he's written. He's written a lot about this. Yeah, yeah. Uh, he's, he writes very well about it. Yeah, yeah. Uh, essentially, like even if even if you had this like optimal situation where you're able to, uh, you know, say 2024 comes and goes, Keith's still leader, lose uh, lose the election, he's out, and then you get you know Corbyn 2.0, whoever that is, in in as leader of the party. Then you have the exact same bullshit to deal with in the first place, mm-hmm. and you are essentially back to square one because we know what you know. Uh, yeah, your your, know your eight gonna... curse and your rentals are going to do. I mean, you, um, you, you, to to come briefly back to like the Batley thing, you saw it right after. Like everything, you know, immediately the press releases and like the you know the the unnamed senior Labour officials were out and about saying you know oh all the left who were supporting Galloway must be really disappointed and it's like they were even trying to tag Owen Jones in on that and I'm like I'm me and Owen Jones yeah. have some fucking different reserves opinion about the Labour Party but yeah. like what the fuck like that guy it, Owen was not like supporting fucking George Galloway nobody I know or, or have seen on Twitter on like the ship post left or anywhere else. I see, literally saw nobody supporting Galloway. Like fucking, if you're on the left, you know that Galloway's a piece of shit. Oh, he's he's a he's a total piece of shit. And in fair play to Owen Jones, like even I said to him, I I, I messaged him like publicly on Twitter and said, uh, "Listen, you know these people are clearly out to just burn the fucking ground with you. Um, why don't you just sue them at this point? Because they're lying." Like, they are actually mischaracterizing and attributing statements to you that you never made. Because Owen Jones told everyone basically to vote Labour. Yeah, he told everyone many to vote Labour and Badly like, and yeah, Spen. Yeah. So, them coming and saying, oh, well, here you go, Joe, Owen, you clearly want it. It's like, no, his public statements are, are the opposite to this. Yeah, but it, and, plays, um, it plays well with the fucking headbangers that they, they so fervently believe that if they just shag enough flags, they'll get Baz on board. Do you know what I mean? And like yeah. cunts like that are always fucking foaming about Owen Jones just for existing. So if someone from if someone from Labour like puts the boot into Owen Jones, in their mind they think that might be the key fucking thing that starts the landslide that just like all the Tory support like just moves to Labour because like oh maybe maybe if they're having a go at like Owen Jones, you know that little like that little prick that we hate so much. Maybe like Keith didn't fucking like personally pardon Jimmy Savile, you know what I mean? Yeah, or, like, or whatever. No, it's like I mean, I'm obviously I have great criticisms of Owen Jones, um, politically. Yeah, I think we all right? do. But, as, yeah. as, as 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 an individual, he seems nice enough, but his actual politics I don't agree with. But I will give him credit. All of this basically seems like homophobia out removed. Oh yeah, politically, absolutely. Frankly. Like yeah, and like I've got a lot of sympathy for him in this situation, and I guess it's the whole you know. 
choose your bedfellows very carefully when it comes to deciding your politics because they will just fucking turn around and have a go at you. And, you know, the way Owen has got on with Labour and the things he tried to do for them um, and the way he stuck to them so steadfastly, it's just he's going to catch more and more of his shit, yeah. basically. Yep. There's well, just nothing else for it. Yeah, but the problem the problem he's got there though is like he, he he's like progress he's he's progressive and he's he's not like bigoted at all. And yeah. so why the fuck is he trying to support the modern Labour Party? Do you know what I mean? Exactly. It's like, right. It's a- he's constantly he's constantly like fucking banging the drum about like you know like turfs being fucking full of shit and we should have like more rights for trans people and stuff. And so he has no place in the modern Labour Party because they're yeah. just transphobic as fuck. And like as we've seen with all the stuff about oh well yeah it was it was a close run thing in Batley and Spen, but it was just because all those Muslims wouldn't vote for Keith because they're homophobic. Or, yeah. or, or, or they're, or they're like, is they're uh, anti-Semitic or whatever. Yeah. You know what I mean? It's like, yeah, the Labour Party is transphobic and racist. So you know, like the, fuck the only guess, the, the only guess I can make for Owen Jones essentially in this, and you know, I'd love to know if I'm totally wrong about this, but it, it seems that way on the surface to me personally, is that it's about career and it's about maintaining relevance nah. in the mainstream press. Mm, I don't, I don't think so. I mean, like, I think he'll, he'll have a, I mean, have a career given where he is. I mean, you know, he is past the velvet ropes and, and has, you know, his place in, in that particular sphere. And for where he is, you know, I don't mind for the most part him being where he is. I think what it is, and I know David, you've talked a lot about this. This is the terminal disease of laborism. Labor in a first-past-the-post two-party system can only ever be the receptacle of your hopes and dreams, you know, much like the Democratic Party in the US will mm-hmm. never change because it's, you know, it, it takes all your energy and your hopes and dreams and what it does is turn it into campaign donations and volunteering for fucking Neil Coyle and that fuck and, and loot the, loot the <laughs> fucking nuke. You know, it's, it's that shite. Like, that's, yep. you know, that that's why Labour has to die. Among many other reasons, let's be fair. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. Oh, yeah. <sighs> but, but yeah. What were we talking about before we went on the Owen Jones tangent now? Uh, we were, uh, the election itself. Yeah. The, the Ajax, yeah. Ajax fighting vehicle. <laughs> <laughs> How many dolphins yeah, I was surprised inside it? it. I, I, I was surprised it took such a higher percentage of a vote in Batley and Sven, but I suppose it is a bit of a right-wing seat. <laughs> I mean, to be honest, I would, I would vote Ajax. I yeah. Mean, can, <laughs> how can you not vote for, I suppose it I would mean, be running on a it would be running on a fuck the troops platform so <laughs> I guess it would get a lot of left wing votes they could absolutely Only sell one moving those. forward they could absolutely <laughs> sell one of those to uh, George Lord of War Galloway though couldn't they yeah. <laughs> <laughs> oh man uh, Shall yeah. we? Uh, yeah, I'm trying. I'm, I'm trying to look for George Galloway, but all I can see is this thing called Gunsmith Cats. <laughs> <laughs> it's like, should we talk a little bit about Galloway's performance in the season? Yeah, but yeah, like go for it. Yeah, Britain's most elderly out. cat boy. Let's go. <laughs> oh, Jesus Christ! Do we want to wait until uh, Thunderbird One's finished take off there? Like, what the fuck? <laughs> welcome, welcome to my fucking life. <laughs> <laughs> uh, it was just George Galloway doing a flyover. He's testing his new kit. <laughs> <laughs> anyway, no. So, um, so George Galloway carved away a pretty huge percentage of the vote. Actually, yeah, that's the point. We haven't, we haven't actually done the returns from the seat. So, Rob, do you want to, you want to give us the actual final vote counts? Uh, sure. Uh, so, roughly by party, uh, Labour got thirteen thousand two two hundred and ninety six uh, votes, about thirty five percent. Which, by the way, is a seven and a half percent swing. <laughs> 
which is a 7.5% swing against Labour and 9,000 votes lost versus the 2019 election. So Remind the... me, remind me, against is bad in uh, Labour's <laughs> point of view, right? Yeah, it's fine. Don't worry mm. about it. Um <laughs> <laughs> so st- stick it on the bill, eh? Yeah. You know the thing to the thing to bear in mind, as people have been saying on Twitter, is they won a marginal. Yeah, it wasn't a marginal before they campaigned in it, but it, they've won a marginal. <laughs> yeah, they created and won a marginal, and who else can claim that kind of fucking like double like effect? You know? Yeah, I mean it's a triple mm. it's a triple digit win. So the vote win was three hundred and twenty three <laughs> total votes. Uh, so Tories had. Um, 12,973, so just over 34%. And then Galloway uh, peeled off 8,000 and odd uh, votes, so that's 22%, which is pretty fucking impressive, I have to say. I mean, I was was pretty fucking blown away by that, to be honest. Yeah, 22% is huge. I figured he wouldn't crack double digits, but 22%, that's mad. Also, David, if you want to have this sad trombone uh, ready again, just... For giggles, uh, the Lib Dems got a mighty 1,250-odd votes, or 3%, which means they lost 50% of their vote in the previous election. So last time they were at 45 now <laughs> 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 Ah, I hear the Lib Dem vote is showing up. <laughs> no, so, like, um, let, let's talk about Galloway there, because obviously that's pretty fucking Imagine, good. though, imagine if, like, Joe Swinson... And George Galloway formed like a crime fighting duo and just went around like machine gunning squirrels and like <laughs> shit like that, you know what I mean? Oh, you could have a whole extended scene where Which, she like, goes, she's got her catapult and she's like, I'm ready. And you're just like, no, you're not ready. And then he like, in that weird accent of his, I mean, he just like brings out a fucking M6. It's the fucking says, scene in the Matrix, all the guns. Yeah. 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 yeah her <laughs> bloodlust combined with his extensive collection of firearms. <laughs> <laughs> See James, when you were saying catapult there, I was immediately thinking that she was actually had a giant slingshot with a cat in it, just to fire at squirrels. It's 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 Galloway. She fires him at the trees and he goes cat on the squirrels, clearly. Team up for ultimate attack. <laughs> the fucking speedball special. <laughs> so it puts a whole new meaning on gunsmith cats, that's all I'm saying. <laughs> But yeah, so <laughs> uh, for me, it was the fucking ridiculous delay before that happened that made it funny. <laughs> oh, am I okay to talk now, yeah, David? Yeah, am I good to do this? Okay. <laughs> I've got to get me one of those. Like, <laughs> no, for no, you do sake, not. No. You are not. It is, it is vitally important we avoid arming Jamie with a sample. Under no circumstances do you gotta get one of those. <laughs> but yeah, so Galloway's result, it was objectively good, and he objectively campaigned very well in that seat. And so a while, you know, while Galloway himself is absolutely, in my opinion, a total grifter, who is, basically does this stuff for relevance and to, you know, at the end of the day, fund himself, um, in well, my you opinion, know, that, those guns seen... aren't going to buy themselves. <laughs> <laughs> it's still, um, you still have to examine, well, well, how did he pull that off? What did he do? And as I understand it, and maybe I'm wrong, and I've not done, this is this is very impromptu, I've not done a formal analysis of the, the, the seat, and I don't know if I will anytime soon, because I'm focusing on other things. But my take on this is that it's a combination of three factors. Factor one, Labour 
basically told the Muslim and broadly, you know, anti-Palestinian genocide contingent of electorate to go fuck themselves. Yeah, that's right. And (laughs) Galloway has a history of being pro-Palestinian and is not, you know, he's not shy in talking about that and in, you know, calling that stuff out for what it is. Um, and it's you know it's it's a little bit of the uh, the worst guy you know just made an, a good point sort of thing. That's Galloway when it comes to Palestine, and he campaigned hard on that, um, and he targeted it very very well against that electoral demographic. And if Labour hadn't been busy basically going nah fuck them, we're not interested in them, their vote runs directly counter to the little England flag shaggers we want, then Galloway wouldn't have made that headway. I don't think. Yeah. But there you go, he was against the Iraq war, he was against, you know, a whole bunch of Middle East fuckery, and he's consistently, you know, been on the side of Palestine. Well, how dare he be with... against the Iraq war? Does he not know that St. Tony had to move heaven and earth to get that to happen? Well. That was, that, so... was like the, that was like the Woodstock for our generation. <laughs> <laughs> you know, it's sad, but there's a significant number of fucking Labour apparatchiks for whom that is literally true. And um, unfortunately, they're in charge and have basically written off an entire section of the electorate. So that's a part of it. Um, and the actual demographics play very well into that because the seat is pretty divided. It's got a, a very large kind of minority population um, who Labour are just not serving very well. Well, and, and, and a chunk of a fash population as well, because there was some... Well, yes. See, this is the thing as well, because the other side of this coin is that... Um, and I need to think about how to phrase this in a way that's not going to come back on us. Um, I'll do it. Batley's fascist fuck. <laughs> kind of, yeah. yeah. And, you know, there's a there's an interesting combination of factors that go into that because you'll find that when you get a population who are fash inclined, some of them are fash in a confused kind of way, and so they will lend their vote, essentially, mm. to... Causes they draw the swastikas the wrong way around. <laughs> kind of, yeah. They're just they're not, you know, they're, they're, they're not committed fashion in the ideological sense. They're just fashion inclined. In One day they'll get their heads around we, it. <laughs> yeah, in terms of how we react to policy and various other things. See so, if you if you if you look at the total votes cast for each party, and you look at the bottom end of it, there's a bunch of little parties, many of them fashion parties, and if yes. you were to add up the votes for those ones, and yes, add them to the Tories. Yes. Tories with a beat label. Yeah, for yes. sure. Easy. Yeah. I'm I'm pretty sure that the Heavy Woolen District Party, which is the like the the big fash party in, you know, Batley and Spen, who ran last time but didn't run this time, I think they didn't win they didn't run specifically because they wanted the Tories to have the best shot possible. Yeah, because they were essentially like a sort of Brexit, sort of a localized Brexit party thing, right? I'm, I'm not well, familiar with them. No, they're not. They're really genuinely fash party. Okay. Like, actually just a fash party, um, but a popular local fash party. And they gave a statement about how they basically made um, some tough electoral decisions, et cetera, et cetera. And I think it comes down to they wanted to give the Tories the chance to win. I think an interesting way. sort of corollary to this, though, is that there was uh, one senior Tory was quoted as saying they were almost relieved that Labour clung on by the skin of their teeth because uh, that the implication of that is that, you know, kids going to stay in place. Because if they did lose the seat, then there's a very real chance, well, yeah, a non-zero I, I, chance uh, that uh, he would have been, 
you know, stabbed in the back by uh, certain certain Luki Nukies. And I don't know. I, I always take do, those kind of. I mean, they. Why? But why wouldn't? Why wouldn't the Tories want him to stay in place? He, he's a fucking. Yeah, he's perfect. Yeah, for, he's, for he's, the Tories. He's a nobody. Perfect. He he fucking you know gives them a round of applause uh, when they punch him in the face and then ask for more. Yeah, I, like so. I'm always very skeptical of these kind of quotes that leak essentially about the the efficacy of an opponent. Essentially, um, so. I take like a, a huge grain of salt there. Um, yeah. From a Tory perspective, honestly, if there's the possible, if there's the prospect of being a Wakefield by-election off the back of a court case which is proceeding against the MP for Wakefield, who's Tory, then it would play in the Tory's advantage to have a Labour leadership contest going on and various other things potentially. So I don't know. I, I'm I'm very I'm cynical about that. Um, but I did say like to to finish my point earlier before our listeners write in and get mad at me for not finishing it. Um, there are another two reasons that I think kind of ways Galloway positioned himself that helped him. The second one, which firepower, <laughs> overwhelming force and threats to the electorate. Yeah, that's absolutely what I was going for. Mass, no, like um, massed artillery outside Batley. <laughs> Oh, he just went fucking Bane on them. Um, no, right. So, well, I'm now picturing Galloway doing a Bane voice, and it's just yeah. ending me internally. <laughs> that is, that is, is a combination. <laughs> oh dear. I'm just imagining him have doing made. that fucking cat you... girl thing, but with a Bane mask on. That makes it even better. No, I, I just got. I, I'm just picturing. I'm just picturing him doing. You have only adopted the Workers' Party of Great Britain. <laughs> <laughs> and, that was anyway, which Muppet was that? <laughs> <laughs> but yeah, so his his second thing is he decided to. <laughs> we're not an impressions main... podcast, are we? No, no we're, we're absolutely not. The ac- accents on the pod. <laughs> so for, for actually for real, like his second thing is he decided to treat the mainstream media and particularly the BBC with the contempt they deserve, and competently executed on it. And there's a really good interview where George Galloway goes in hard on the BBC interviewer who, you know, just to to set the scene, the BBC interviewer is attempting to basically portray him as splitting the Labour vote and just like, you know, they're they're doing basically a political broadcast saying don't vote Galloway. That's the thrust of the interview that the interviewer is going for. And George just does not fucking take it at all. He he goes in hard on Yeah, he very rightly says there is no such thing as a Labour or a Tory vote. vote. There are only voters. And that, you can't, you know, worst guy you know, etc. Yeah. Yeah. Like, I I watched that interview and I'm like, well, it still remains that George Galloway is a cunt. However... Go on, George, get him, basically, because it's nice to watch your enemies fight. When a wasp lands on a nettle, eh? Yeah, mm. exactly, right? You don't care who gets stung. Um, so he he took the right approach to that, and people liked that, because people are pretty fed up with the bullshit. And that synergizes well with the first point, because the BBC is very anti-Palestine, um, as are pretty much all the other kind of press organs of the British state. And so when George is going in hard on the BBC for politicising and for, you know, basically, he particularly flagged up a licence fee and is like, why are people bothering to pay this, essentially? Um, that synergizes very well with his first point, which was about presenting himself as an advocate for a position which doesn't get advocated in our politics. And so he's got like a strong outsider credential there that he was able to work with. Now, again, 
the guy's no good. But as a political strategy, it's a very effective one. I mean, if um, you if you didn't really know much about Galloway yes. other than the like, you know, opposing Iraq sort of broadly and being pro-Palestinian broadly, and you saw that interview and you were like, huh. I quite like yeah. that, and then like you know, never mind everything that's happened between like that interview and like the Iraq War, but yeah. The other, the, the third thing that George Galloway kind of had going for him is a is a little bit. So it, it's a combination of two parts, and the first part is he had a strongly, competently executed ground campaign. By all accounts, he had plenty of people out. He had literature going through doors. He he did all the things you're meant to do in a campaign, right, and was able to do them well. And that's important. But then building on that, in addition to the fundamentals of the campaign being there, this campaign was very well positioned for people to give Galloway their vote and be happy in giving him their vote, essentially, because he wasn't going to win. Right? And so that meant that a whole bunch of voters who were looking at this going, I can't fucking stand Labour after all they've done, but I don't like Galloway. Galloway actually doing well against Labour is a big fuck you to Labour. Maybe I'll just give my vote to Galloway then. It's not like he's going to win, essentially. And I'm pretty sure he was intentionally pursuing the strategy to the point it scared the shit out of Labour. And in the final weeks of the campaign, they orientated hard against him and were putting out leaflets about how his campaign had lost steam, etc, etc, etc. Um... And you, they they lent hard on the whole, if you vote for Galloway, you're going to give it to the Tories kind of thing. And that scared a few people kind of back in the fold. And I think Yeah, you're going to give it to the, the Tories, not like us. <laughs> well, yeah, exactly, right? So it's I, I think it's that final part. It's the actual electoral positioning. If it had started as a head-to-head between Galloway and Labour and the Tories weren't a factor, right? Or between Galloway and the Tories, even, frankly, um, I'm not sure how that result would have played out. Because I think there's a lot of people who basically loaned Galloway their vote for that election who don't actually want George Galloway in no, the... No, There's also the, the other side part of this, uh, which must be noted when we're talking about political context. There's another pressure there, which is that the Batley and Spen constituency seat ceases to exist at the next election, essentially. Mm-hmm. So even if George got it, then, you know, he'd be... The, the election calculus would completely change for the next election, and this would be, like, the, the final MP for the seat, as George campaigned on. He, he specifically flagged it up. He said, well, I will be the last MP for this seat, which is basically, to my mind, my kind of messaging mind is looking at this and going, okay, he's basically telling voters, it's okay if I do get this, then it, I'm not going to be an incumbent in the future, so it'll be a blip, essentially. And so he very cannily kind of triangulated all of these things together and built a coalition out of it that was pretty strong. I don't think it's replicable in other seats, no. um, but it's it, you've got to give credit to him. That was a very effective way to approach this particular campaign. And I'm genuinely not sure whether anyone other than George Galloway could have fucking pulled that off, frankly, with his particular history and his particular culmination of factors in play. So very interesting, deeply weird. Deep, yeah, but deep, I, I think under, you do not, under any circumstances, got to hand it to him. Yeah. That, that, <laughs> no, I think we can yeah. still we could we could still say that electoral competence is no sign of virtue, <laughs> basically. Well, having having settled that, shall we shall we cleanse our palate? Uh, maybe. I maybe. mean, well, I just I, I want to end this on just one little high note, which is the fact that Galloway was so successful in what he did and was able to do that shows that the Labour Party is weak. The yeah. Labour Party yes. vote, the Labour vote doesn't exist. 
as Gallagher yep. fucking said. Um, this is a good news item for smaller parties that might be starting out that maybe have yeah. something different to say outside of the narrow band of politics that the Tories and Labour are operating in. Nah, nah. Labour Labour won it by three hundred votes. It it was a Tory marginal, and they managed to claim it. Keith's just unassailable. You know what I mean? He's stronger. I just stronger than ever. Stronger than ever. All these fucking assholes quoting fucking the wire about how you best not come at the leader of the opposition. Oh, that's right. Yeah, Yeah. Yeah. I I I cringe so hard. I had to go out into the garden to get my fucking skeleton back. Yeah, I, I'll be totally honest. As someone who has on this pod previously talked about how I find your average wire nerd completely and utterly fucking insufferable, this is exactly, exactly the shit I was talking about. <laughs> oh, anyway, Rob, what treats have you installed to end this episode on? All right, so I thought as a pad- as a palate cleanser, we should talk about something that is not labour. So I found yet another. Uh, fine article read uh, for us, this this time of a more philosophical bent, and it comes from the mighty Foundation for Economic Education, which should already give you a clue as to where this is going. Mm, I'm, this is, for some reason, my, my teeth have been set on edge by you saying that. <laughs> yeah, just like the hackles have gone up in the back of my neck suddenly. Can anyone yeah. hear a ringing sound? <laughs> Can I just say, I know what the title of this is, and you're not ready for it. No, you are not. Oh, no. <laughs> you are definitely not ready. We- we are not prepared. Okay, go. Cool. It's, it's written. Is this is this that article about how we should like blend the elderly into a paste to feed to children? No, this is well. Well, but that sounds good. <laughs> it, it could go in that direction, but it's not that specific piece. No, no. Well, it's not because I just made that. I made that up, didn't I? Quite <laughs> yeah. yeah, very soiled. No, I, really I, not. I, did, I genuinely did not expect you to go. Oh, no, I don't think I've read that one. <laughs> Do you know what I mean? And ask me to cite my fucking sources. Jimmy, after all this fucking time, have you not learned that you have a habit of invoking stuff right. into reality by asking those questions? <laughs> nope. Right. <laughs> he, and and he will never learn. Hear the name of this article and then decide if what you just said we seems outlandish. Previously, not learning lessons is like, you know, what proves that you're British. So, <laughs> yeah, so it's actually fair enough. Back on our bullshit. Let's go. All right. So this is written by somebody called Lisa Miller. And the title is Three Reasons Millennials Should Ditch Karl Marx for Ayn Rand. All right. Yeah, I, I saw this. <laughs> fucking incredible. Yeah. <laughs> how, how do you do, fellow children? <laughs> And my mouth is inexplicably filled with blood. <laughs> uh, well, maybe if you if you all behave very nicely, what are the th- what are the three reasons? Then how? Give us give us a fucking countdown, but do it in the style of like you know Top of the Pops or some shit. <laughs> I've not watched David will play you some dramatic music. Um, dear avocado toast eating brethren, we oh fuck go you. fuck yourself, fuck you. Fuck you. <laughs> Fuck off! Fucking die! Go follow your leader and wither in poverty at the behest of people far nicer and kinder from you, setting up a welfare state to sustain you in your old decrepit age as you wither from the hate that's collapsed you internally and destroyed every relationship you like. Fuck you! Excuse me. Sorry, I'm better. We need to drop Karl Marx like we dropped cable TV. 
Oh my god! <laughs> this is actually going to be a hazard to my yes, health if, if I keep listening to this, Rob. <laughs> we're a generation that's sick of wars and threats of wars. I love you the must... way they, I love the way they keep saying we. we. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like they aren't sixty-five years old. I'm fairly certain. <laughs> well, I have the name is a giveaway, right? The name is a giveaway because it's Lisa Miller, which sounds like a normal name. But as we've established, the writers for these articles are fucking weirdos who have like money coots and other names, and so that. That's the, that's the clue. Yeah, that's the clue there actually is a 65-year-old ghostwriting as a millennial, right? They've picked a normal-sounding name. Well, I don't think they're 65. Is that, have you just put, is that yes. the picture you've posted of yes. the individual? Is that is that like someone trying to do like a realistic 3D render of Millhouse? I, I don't understand what I'm looking at here. <laughs> it is Millhouse the college, yes, yes. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, <laughs> Oh, no, Uncanny. never give this fucking How up. How do you do this, Jamie? Yeah, never give this guy a gun because he does not miss. <laughs> <laughs> fucking hell. <laughs> so that one's, that one's getting put in the replies yeah. to our uh, visual, uh, I think. We're, uh, we're a generation that's sick of wars, mass shootings, and media sensationalism. As the ambassadors of the sharing economy and investors in cryptocurrency, we hold innovation what? and entrepreneurship what in high What fucking Venn diagram is this? What? <laughs> what? <laughs> Sorry, I, I genuinely need you to read that one again, Rob. I'm not doing it as a bit, just like my brain has <laughs> faulted on this. Can you can you do that a little bit again? All right. it's, this is again about we the generation. Um, as the ambassadors of the sharing economy and investors in what? cryptocurrency. Yeah, what? As, <laughs> as the ambassadors of the sharing economy. Yeah, what? What? Oh, yeah. what that means is um, it's actually a disgusting, horrible habit that we all share Netflix accounts. <laughs> Is it like what? Have, they, have they like rebranded the gig economy? Yes. Do you know yeah, what I mean? Yeah, I think that's what yeah, that yeah. is. Come, and... come share in my misery and anxiety. <laughs> right, so unpacking this, right? Ambassadors of the sharing economy, ambassadors of the gig economy, slaves of the gig economy. And investors You're an ambassador in for it. <laughs> and investors in crypto. Like, <laughs> statistically, no. Um, like, D that's, sorry. That's the thing, actually, we, we, I meant to ask when we brought up Bitcoin earlier in the episode, did that weird Bitcoin guy actually die? There was rumours that some, like, weird Bitcoin guy had died. Oh, McAfee died, yeah. No, no, he not that. Like, no, I don't, I don't mean that prick. Um, like, I mean, there was some other guy who, like, apparently owned, like, millions and millions in Bitcoin, and there was a rumour that he drowned like in South America somewhere and the they the the article said they couldn't confirm it for certain but they had had it like relayed to them by several women with whom he had like a master slave relationship <laughs> wow. None of which I assume I assume when they say it was relayed by them I assume it was just like yeah we drowned them but, well, I mean, what I can what I can reasonably guarantee is that that is that that guy is also an ambassador of the sharing of the sharing economy and an investor in cryptocurrency. A former ambassador. How, how, much, bit, how much? How much Bitcoin do you think is lost forever? Uh, quite a lot. I say a lot. That genuinely a ton. The guy yeah. who the guy who made Bitcoin reserved a whole bunch of it right at the start, which is worth an absolute fortune, and. No one knows who he was. There's theories. Anyway, shall I, shall I go back to reading this? He was John McAfee. Karl <laughs> <laughs> uh, Marx is not who he think he, who we think he is. His philosophy does not align with our values at all. We need to look to someone. Who's, what? Uh, what values? Need, no, no, no. We need who to, do we no, think no, he is? We need to look. Spider-Man. He's a fucking menace. <laughs> we need to look to somebody more in touch with what's important to us. 
someone like Ayn Rand. Here are three reasons why we should kick all Carl to the curb and pick up Ayn Rand instead. Literally, the only <laughs> the only fucking overlap I've got with Ayn Rand is that trains are pretty cool, and that's it. <laughs> uh, all right, so here is uh, well, I, I've got I've got a long common with Ayn Rand because I've spent a significant portion of my life on benefits. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so here is reason one why you should ditch Karl Marx and embrace Ayn Rand. Reason one, Karl Marx advocates using violence to get what you want. We hate him. (laughs) He's not the only fucker, I'll tell you that much. I'm advocating violence to get what I want, which is an end to this fucking article. Well, you're almost violating the non-aggression protocol there, Jamie, so I'm going to have to keep on reading. I, I don't know what that is, and I want you to stop saying it. <laughs> yeah, Jamie doesn't speak nonce. We hate, the, we, we hate the constant stream of wars the US gets involved in. Whether it's Iraq or Afghanistan, or the threat of the Islamic State, or North Korea, we're just tired of it all. Why can't everyone get along? Why do we have to... Oh, talk- okay. God. So she, so sorry. She's saying we hate conflict so much. Why don't we just stop doing class struggle? Is that is that the gist of it? Why do we have to topple regimes and flex our muscles on Twitter? Don't even get us started on mass shootings. <laughs> okay, so it wasn't even that fucking coherent. It was stop yelling at me on Twitter. <laughs> well, I mean, it's that it's that natural slide from you know <laughs> bombing people to shit in Afghanistan and well, Iraq I'm, and I'm, my menchies. I'm, I'm absolutely absolutely fucking baffled by this. Like you know, oh yeah, we should we should all like get behind Iron Rand. Why can't we all get? It's just like Randism. It's just like objectivism with Mister Rogers tendencies or something. What the fuck? Like? <laughs> Yeah. yeah, we should absolutely all just like, you know, everyone should just be like an island and like fucking the, the ubermensch will naturally rise to take their place at the top of society. But why can't we all get, can we do that hey, without yelling? Listen, can you know can I, I mean? just say credit where credit is due here? Nisha was a huge fucking dweeb, but he was not as much of a dweeb as Ayn Rand was <laughs> by any fucking measure. Like if he were to, you know, imagine there is indeed some kind of afterlife and they're all kind of, you know, sitting around. Like Ayn Rand comes into the room and Nisha would take up it, pick up his lunch tray and move to the other table if, if she sat down at it. Like if, fucking hell. This violence needs this violence needs to stop. If only Karl Marx felt the same way. But unfortunately, he says the only way to bring about the ideal political state is through violent revolution. Then they quote. Uh... <laughs> Thank you, David. Thank you so much. I was going to request it. Ah, oh, talk about a cue. All right, and just so we're clear that, is, uh, that they have an accurate reading of the Communist Manifesto, they quote a, li- a bit from the Communist Manifesto in depicting the well, most... be upstanding? <laughs> that's, not, that's not that impressive. It's like 35 pages. Oh, uh, <laughs> in- hey, 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 listen, 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 more listen. more Jordan Peterson ever put in. <laughs> exactly. Uh, in depicting the most general phases of the development of the proletariat, we trace the more or less veiled civil war raging within existing society up to the point where that war breaks out into open revolution and where the violent overthrow of the bourgeoisie lays the foundation for the sway of the proletariat. And this is back to the article. Oh, brother, please, no more wars. So, oh no, so I was right. Okay. 
I mean, you know, they're pretty close. It is no war but class war, but, you know, okay. Ayn Rand, sure. on the other hand, is not a proponent of violence. She says violence should only be means of self-defense. Um... If someone invades your country, you can retaliate. If someone punches you in the face, you can retaliate. If someone tries to steal your stuff, you can retaliate. You see, this is good writing. I've got to say, as a, as a, as a noted ambassador of the sharing economy, <laughs> I have to say I feel as though I'm being punched in the face by it. <laughs> Uh, but Am I, I allowed did. to defend myself? Are we allowed to defend ourselves, maybe? Sorry, what is structural violence? <laughs> yeah, are, you, no, are, are you allowed it's... to retaliate if someone calls you a rand nonce on Twitter? <laughs> <laughs> that That is actually violence, though, Jamie. As we've established, yelling at people on Twitter is... It's the same as invading Iraq. That's that's the... the we know this. <laughs> Twitter is the website that launched a thousand Iraq invasions. <laughs> That's one of those statements which isn't true but feels true somehow. <laughs> uh, but there is no reason you should employ violence other than if you or your stuff are attacked. <laughs> yeah. Oh, hey, that's a, little, that's a neat little rhetorical slight of hand here. Oh, Didn't see that one happen. Stuff gets attacked. That's the worst. That is just as bad as when I personally get attacked. Oh no! To be to be fair, I mean, you know, Jamie and I have not been playing Valheim lately because they patched it and all the monsters started wrecking your base rather than attacking you. And yeah, I mean, that is worth going to war over. You, so you were overwhelmed by Marxists. It's disgusting. Yeah, all yeah. the trolls, as in literal trolls, it's Valheim came out and attacked all our stuff. So, in many ways, in many ways, it's a microcosm of the Twitter egosphere. <laughs> Uh, they then go on to quote a bit from Ayn Rand, but I'm not fucking reading that because uh, I have better things to do with my time and I'm not reading Ayn Rand. No, please, 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 please read it. All right, fuck it. This is from The Virtuous self Selfishness. A civilized society is one, is, is one in which physical force is banned from human relationships, in which the government acting as a policeman may only act in retaliation and only against those who initiate its use. Yeah, this is just like... Do you know what it is? Like this this is just this is some fucking like soft shit this like isn't it? It's like it's just trying to codify not touching you can't get mad as a fucking like political ideology. Do you know like oh I'm going to I'm going to use like the free market to like buy your house from under you and then like kick your family out on the street but if you punch me then I'll fucking cry about it. Yeah, Do you know what I mean? Yeah, well, it's like it, it, Yeah, it's like I love how they in the same fucking breath she said, you know, it's banning force from society and the government polices. And it's like, okay, well, let's, let's dig down into that. What the fuck, what the fuck do the police do? What, what is the police when you get right down to it? Is it the state's application of force? Maybe, perhaps, I don't know. Just, oh, just baby brain it's the, shit. It's the righteous guardians of your stuff. Yeah. That's what the police is. <laughs> kind of, basically. Right, so here is reason two why you should ditch Karl Marx. Christ, was that right. still the first yeah. reason? Yeah, that was reason one. <laughs> Karl Marx appeals to your emotional indignation. And that is what? Get in the fucking seat. <laughs> Karl Marx write, wrote thousands of pages about yards of linen. <laughs> yeah, and I was very fucking emotionally indignant at having to read it all, have you know? <laughs> Are you still going on about coats? I, I groan every time a boomer rants about entitled millennials these days. We are not entitled. We are not lazy. And when trying to, to guilt us into going to church more or playing video games less or buying a house or getting married while we're still young. <laughs> oh, what, who, what the fuck, <laughs> who the fuck is ever trying to guilt millennials into going to church more? It's always like, oh, why aren't millennials buying diamonds? 
You know what I mean? Or something like, what? Why have millennials killed the Fabergé egg market? Because they're it's all like, oh, it's a fucking mystery. That one, we better we better call Poirot. You know what I mean? Get him, get him to fucking like work it out. The little Belgian twat. That's <laughs> <laughs> a big rip on Poirot. Absolutely, whoever. No fucking hit. Uh, well, I, I say hit Poirot. I quite like I quite like the film they did recently with their. Uh, no, that's what's fucking name. shit. I hated that. The Kevin Brown thing. That's pretty guy. Yeah, that. yeah, I quite like that. Like, I don't like the fucking TV version. He's just like fucking David Suchet just annoys the shit out of me. Like, that's why we should turn away from Karl Marx. You hear that? <laughs> Makes about as much sense, frankly. Alright, so per Lee's, emotional appeals are the worst. This, no, wait, wait. Does, oh. does she actually write per Lee's? Yes. P-U-H dash dash. And don't even get us started on media sensation. This is like, this This honestly, this honestly reads like someone trained an AI on like the entirety of Friends and then tried to get it to write po- propaganda. <laughs> See, I'm just wondering if it breaks down into Twitter abonics by the end of the article. Uh, Is that what they're going with it, essentially? Um, And don't even get us started on media sensationalism. We've had enough of the red shouting faces, the blatant lying and the fear-mongering, and the wars on Christmas. The media is constantly trying to pit us against each other. See where this is going? And they won't lower the age of consent. (laughs) (laughs) It turns out that Karl Marx used the same us versus them hysteria as CNN and Fox News. (laughs) She's got a real bee in her bonnet about fucking uh, conflict. Like, just like, oh, it is all the same because I am very smart. We'll be able. We'll be able to like enter a green, a green future with limitless energy if we just like broadcast this article over loudspeakers, and everyone's like everyone's holding on to a thing that like generates energy every time they make the jerk off motion. <laughs> Karl Marx appeals to pathos and emotional outrage, like we discussed above, to try to get us and start a war. I mean, for fuck's sake! I mean. The the first like volume of Das Kapital is like just Linen essentially coach. data. It's just <laughs> yeah, an yeah, observation reason. of fucking data, and it's like yeah, that's that's very emotional. I know James joked about having to fucking read it, but it, reason it, number three, oh, you, you think I joked? How dare you? Reason number three why we should all like switch to Ayn Rand instead of Karl Marx is that Karl Marx wants to start a war, start a nuclear war at the <laughs> gay bar. <laughs> yeah. At the gay bar. Don't mind me, folks. I'm just googling pictures of Soviet tanks from. 1942 onwards. <laughs> um, I'll just be steering this. Anyway, the he quotes. Uh, they quote again from the Communist Manifesto. I'll do it again because this is very. This is one of the good bits. Uh, Freeman and slave, patrician and plebeian, lord and serf, guildmaster and journeyman. In a word, oppressor and oppressed stood in constant opposition to one another. Carried on an inter- uninterrupted, now hidden, now open fight. A fight that each time ended either in the revolutionary reconstruction of society at large or in the common ruin of the contending classes. That, as our dear listeners, I really hope know, is the Communist Manifesto. It's great. We're not having any of that, though, are we? Question mark. We are done. <laughs> we are done being manipulated by outrage and hysteria. It is time to change the channel to something a little calmer, more grounded, and personally empowering. Ayn Rand, fortunately, has peaceful empowerment. Was so desperately. Yeah, how are we going to change the channel? I thought. I thought we dropped cable TV. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> 
while Karl Marx wants you to blame others, brackets the bourgeoisie for your plight, Ayn Rand wants you to introspect and perhaps reassess your values, i.e. pull yourself up by fucking bootstraps, rather than encouraging you to... <laughs> were, you, were you editorializing there a little, Rob? <laughs> yeah, just a touch. <laughs> uh, rather than encouraging you to camouflage yourself into a union of workers, she wants you to empower yourself as an individual to create a meaningful life for yourself. Mass hysteria, be gone. Do you know what a really good way of empowering you yourself is? Join forces with other similar people in similar living situations as you. Because two is greater than one. And guess what? Bigger numbers are bigger than two. And it's, it's very fucking simple. It's only fucking together that you can seize the means of production so your life can actually be better and meaningful. Fucking. There's a... There's a- uh, advert on the TV, and I can't remember which union this was for, right? But I remember seeing it, and it was like it, it was a moment of like political consciousness for me because it was a long time ago now. But it has someone, a woman, walking along a corridor towards her boss's office, and it's this line of other people following her, right? And they, you know, they, every time she takes a step forward, they, everyone else in the line takes a step forward until she's in the office, and the line is stretching back out the door, down the corridor, down the stairs, etc. And the boss just keeps on writing. And she just kind of looks at him and goes, um, hello? And he just keeps on writing. And then she coughs and he just keeps on writing. And then everyone in the line behind her coughs and he looks up. And that right there, that is the principle of unions. That right there, that is how unions empower people. And Inran's got nothing on this shit. Basically, she just wants us all, instead of engaging in proactive activities that build power, Instead, she wants you to do that trick where rather than blame society, blame yourself. Rather than blame your oppressors, do some internal self-scrutiny and recognize why you're so worthless as to deserve being oppressed. She wants you to turn around when the line behind you coughs and go, actually, that's unhygienic. <laughs> <laughs> and, and punch them because they've assaulted you. I think that's that's a reasonable yeah. response. Um, mm. Anyway, I'm going to fucking... Ah, I can't believe you guys are fucking making me read from Ayn Rand, but oh well, it's my fault, I suppose. So this is from one of the intern. Did you just have an argument with yourself? Yes. <laughs> I, well, to be hang honest, on, like, hang, on, hang on, just, are you, just before you do Are you this, doing okay, you buddy? I, <laughs> I'm, I'm, I am my own dialectic. Um, anyway. <laughs> um, this is, fucking hell, this is from one of the interminable speeches from uh, Adler Shrugged. Do not let your fire go out, sparked by irreplaceable spark in the hopeless swamps of the Mokwai. <laughs> not yet, not at all. Do not let, do not let the hero in your soul perish in lonely frustration for the life you deserved and have never been able to reach. The world you desire can be won. It exists, it is real, it is possible, it is yours. Fucking hell, such bad writing. Ugh. I think the world you desire exists is a bold fucking claim to make if you've seen people on the internet. <laughs> <laughs> or it's a true statement if you're Prince, Prince Andrew. Um, no, it's a statement that makes perfect sense if, like most libertarians and Randians, you're a pedophile. <laughs> the world you desire does exist. <laughs> I'm glad I'm glad that fully 40% of the fucking podcast went there. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah. Like fucking, yeah, like... Let's let's just let's just bring up the fucking nonsense again. <laughs> uh, so here is reason three why Karl Marx is bad. Karl Marx wants mankind to rest on its laurels. 
Well, we've got pretty good iPhones. SpaceX can salvage and relaunch rockets. And thanks to the services, and thanks to the services of HelloFresh and Blue Apron, we no longer have to go to the grocery store. Time to pack it up. What? Call it a day. What? Everyone go home. There's no more need for innovation. What? <laughs> I mean, it just, there's, there's so much. <laughs> to unpack there that no, i don't think i don't think even james given like <laughs> an whole episode could no, go let me, through let me, everything no i'm sorry right you've you've thrown the gauntlet right, let me take a minute an, let me take 60 60 seconds of your time here <laughs> blue apron and the similar kind of services that exist people have been going on oh people are paying for services but deliver food and ingredients to your house it's such a it's a tremendous tremendous waste of money and it is right because you could just buy, go to the shops and buy the things and bring them but what people are missing what people are missing is that people are so atomized and so alienated that many of them have not really learned how to cook and do not even know where to start or where to begin with it. But what we do have, some of them, fortunately, because of the stresses placed upon them, because of that alienation, is they have been given disposable income. And so in come these leeches, in come these vampires saying, you never had family that taught you how to cook? Don't worry, Blue Apron will do it for you. Blue Apron will take, make it really convenient for you. We'll mail the ingredients and little recipes one at a time. What, what, give you an actual cookbook? Give you some kind of social structure and time in your life to encourage you to do the shopping necessary to do your own cooking? Give you time to read the recipes in advance and pick out ones you like? No, no, we won't do any of that. Instead, we'll just take back some of the meagre scraps we have handed to you in exchange for the basic socialization for skills you require to maintain your own household and your wretched body to service capitalism. <laughs> that is why, comrades, we must... That was longer Sorry. than 60 seconds, to be fair. <laughs> I was on a roll. <laughs> anyway, if Karl Marx had his way, all incentives to improve and create cooler things would be stripped out of our lives along with our private property. Imagine, right? Imagine if we'd stopped building, like inventing new technologies when Karl Marx was alive. Imagine if we'd stopped doing SpaceX. What a waste of resources that would be. But it just imagine, imagine though, if we'd like, if we just get into like the industrial age, and we thought, you know what, this is probably like too far already. Let's just let's not like spend another two hundred years, just like fucking pumping shite into the atmosphere. How much worse would we all be? Well, there wouldn't be podcasts if that was, if that was the case. You know what I mean? There wouldn't be Twitter. There wouldn't be Twitter, Jamie. That's that's the problem. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it'd be fucking bliss if it wasn't for, if it wasn't for modern society. I could have I could have died down a mine at age seventeen, and I'd been so much fucking happier. <laughs> oh, I miss Uncle Ted. <laughs> following the <laughs> following the logical progression of his communal philosophy, we would all be slaving away for the greater good, and and the highest achieving members of society would have the fruits of their labors redistributed to the lowest achievers. Insert flashback. Yeah, fuck those guys. Insert flashback to the freeloaders of group projects at school. <laughs> That's what will happen. Oh. Innovation would cease to occur under Marxism. Have you ever have you ever done a group project at school where your entire group is freeloaders? <laughs> it's fucking great. Right. Imagine you know I mean? imagine being bullied so badly in school that you were the one that was fucking owned in every group project because you just rolled over to everybody and then you grow up 
and then you think, I know all I need to do is become a Randian Superman. That's all that I need to do. That's dead easy, as opposed to just organising with other people around you and taking the supremacy of numbers. <laughs> what the fuck? Yeah, I mean, let, let's be clear. Group projects done well insist that people work together, not because of equality, the output of the actual work, but to actually make people learn skills to work together, because many of them get to these later years of high school, these years in university. You see, the best thing, the best thing they, to learn in a group project is how to skive together. Well, see, that, that can be a part of it, because that is a form of working together. It's about rapport. The group, and it's about the worst group the worst skives thing together, ever. thrives together. Yeah, it's the yes. worst thing ever when you get stuck in a group project with one of those nerds that is in, like, is just like absolutely afraid of not doing the work, you know what I mean? And yeah. You're just like, nah, fuck it. We've got the we've got the week off. We'll just sit and play Doom or whatever. Well, you know what, what I mean? And like that—that's the problem. That's what happens with these fucking Randian idiots. Is they they basically they go to their university or their high school, or whatever, and they go to the group projects, and no one fucking likes them. No one wants to work with them, and everyone wants to like do the, the correct thing, which is try and get as much slack as possible and put in the minimum amount of work to get the grade they need, essentially, yes, and call correct. it a day. And this person will not do that, and that means that the others are all freeloaders who want to profit from their work. And so they go away and they do some fucking masterwork or whatever and hand it in, and then the dipshit marking them listens to their whining, and to make them go away, they go, all right, I'll give you the fucking A and I won't give it to the others. And just like that reinforces this behavior as thinking it's okay to be an island. Yeah. But, but James, uh, have you considered that the claim that men should be retained in jobs that have become unnecessary, doing work that is wasteful or superfluous, to spare them the difficulties of retraining for new jobs, thus contributing, as in the case of the railroads, to the virtual destruction of an entire industry, this is the doctrine of the divine right of stagnation. That's once again Ayn Rand for you. I couldn't tell, Rob. <sighs> also, like... Our entire society is filled to the brim with wasteful and superfluous work. Yeah. Yes. No, we do. We do. We do make work to keep people busy so they don't have time to think about fucking with the program. But do you know who it. else did that's that? That's these bullshit Do you know who else did that? The Soviet fucking Union. <laughs> yeah. And, and here's the funny thing about it. At least the Soviet Union, for the most part, until it went into its like decline, when it gave people bullshit jobs, it at least paid them quite well for it and it gave, gave them, them a house. It gave them a fucking place to live and food to eat for the. You yeah. Know, Jesus Christ. For the most part. <laughs> Like genuinely, with all like with all seriousness, the vast majority of people living in the West today are in worse conditions than your equivalent citizen in the Soviet Union. Yes, the trash future point know, reigns on eternal. We live in the Soviet Union, except it's shit and more expensive. Ah, yeah, ah, but basically, but, but with Ayn Rand's philosophy, our stuff will always remain ours. Are you still are you still going on about this? Yes. Uh, we, <laughs> we're not, did we not fucking finish this bit? Can we not just like, take this finished. out and drown it like a South American Bitcoin millionaire? <laughs> no, no, because it's also this, like, no, no, no. Let me read. Like, this is where this is the like. No, yes. But with Ayn Rand's philosophy, our stuff will always remain ours. We don't have to share our Nintendo Switch with our little sister brackets, oh who drops, God, who drops her phone say. ten times a day, unless we want Go to. Go to therapy. We can stop fucking inflicting <laughs> your trauma on the rest of the world. Just go to yeah, fucking therapy. This is this is really big energy. Like Karl Marx is going to make you share your birthday cake, and it's like <laughs> that's the fucking point, mate. Like. 
I do like do like the con- the conflation of like property and personal items. We can. This is like if you go back far enough, th- this person right that one one like fucking weekend at a visit to their grandma's house, their grandma bought them and their little sister a packet of chew with each, and the little sister ate both when no one was looking. That's where this has all come from. Do you know what I mean? It's, it genuinely, you're not far wrong. Like the part, the fundamental problem is that Ian Rand didn't actually understand communism, right? She just didn't actually understand Whoa. any of the shit that she was sort of up against. And so this constant conflation of private and personal property. And, you know, like, I'm wasting my words yes. saying it, but they are, there is a distinction. Can... And these guys do not want people to know that there's a distinction between the two. Because if people start thinking about, oh, hang on a minute, you mean private property is legal ownership that you exercise without actually using a thing? Like, for example, owning 700 houses and leasing them out, as opposed to, you know, living in the house you're actually in. The house you're in would be your personal property. The ones you lease out and extract profit from people would be your private property. And that's the distinction, and one of those is not necessarily, like, a good thing. No, we don't... We, just... can, we can rest easy knowing that if we take a big risk, bracket, and invest in cryptocurrencies while our parents mutter Ponzi scheme after their breath, we have the opportunity for a big reward. And best of all, with Ayn Rand's philosophy reaffirming our desire to be great and create great things, maybe someday we will have Jarvis, jetpacks, and flying hammocks. Yeah, Jarvis is your... How many fucking... Sorry, right. How many fucking decades at this point have they been claiming jetpacks will come along? How many fucking decades have you been talking about flying cars and personal butler robots and other Jetsons bullshit? How many fucking decades have we been hearing this same fucking horseshit? It's not coming. It's not coming. It's not there. It's never going to be there. And if it is there, if any of it does come to be, it'll be jetpacks and a military application, or it will be shit that Elon Musk, Bill Gates, and the other oligarchs can get up to. You're never getting fucking jetpacks. You're never fucking getting a flying car. You're never getting Marty McFly's hoverboard. Stop <laughs> buying into this bullshit. The technology fucking fairy just does not exist. And even if they did exist, they wouldn't be there for you. It just. There is no, there is no magic technology tree. <laughs> I mean, the fucking close, the fucking closest you get is the fucking state. <laughs> Essentially, yes. yes. Just fuck me. The fact of the matter is that Karl Marx doesn't align with what's important to us millennials. If it were up to him, we'd be starting more violent wars. We'd be widening. What do you mean? The if it were up to he, the the cunt's dead, <laughs> nothing's up to him. He doesn't align with anything because his remains are fucking horizontal. Like, also, Jesus fucking... Like, David, won. can you start... Capitalism just won since 1989. It's won. It's totally hegemonic, except for, like, a few bare patches here and there. And it's like, it's won. And we went to Iraq twice, and we went to Afghanistan, and we bombed the shit out of Yugoslavia. And, you know, hundreds of millions of people died in different wars all over Africa. And we went to Vietnam, and we did all this shit. And fucking people are dying because of the climate emergency and the wars that are for sure incoming on that front. Like, you won, and the wars are here. What the fuck are you talking about? David, could you send me those pictures of tanks, please? Because the longer we've been doing this, the more I've been becoming a tanky out of fucking reflex at this point. You know, uh, if it were up to him, we'd be widening the gap of uh, the gap of distrust between one another, and we'd strip ourselves of all the incentives to make the world cooler than it already is. 
So it's time to adopt... <laughs> Wait, sorry. Hang on. Fucking hash... Like, citation required here. What incentives are there to make the world cooler? Because personally, there seem to be only incentives to make the world a lot fucking warmer. <laughs> uh, so it's time to adopt a new philosopher. Let's look up to people like Ayn Rand. And that fucking mercifully is the end of that shit. Thank fuck for that. <laughs> yeah, you don't want me to keep going for a while? <laughs> No, I think that I think that will fucking do it for Iron Rand today. <laughs> as, as 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 enjoyable as it was to hear the Communist Manifesto again, um, not worth. It wasn't not worth. worth. It. <laughs> <laughs> Some prices are too great to pay, no matter what the market says. Unbelievable, just ah. But like the general, the broader thing here is that the, you'll see increasing propaganda efforts like this because they got nothing else, and they're starting to get really fucking worried at the number of people who are thirty-five and under who actually think, you know what, maybe some socialism would be good. And like there was a fucking poll out today, wasn't there, on this subject, if I recall yeah. correctly? Mm-hmm. And what was it? What was it? Something like seventy-five percent of yes. the under twenty-fives was it in the UK? Am I remembering that yep, right? Yeah, that's right. Yeah, 75% of the under-25s in the UK think that some socialism would be good. To which the response from the Labour Party, to tie us all together, was to say, ah, well, you know, um, that's clearly the middle classes. Get that? 75% of the youth are the middle class? It fucking only, I think, would be the uh, only response to that. Yeah, They all own iPhones, you see, therefore. I just had a very quick look at the Foundation for Economic Freedom. Their entire board of trustees is all CEOs, uh, investment analysts, and and pricks, essentially. And they're all white men, even more surprisingly. I'm not convinced this person who wrote this article exists, right? Because as we were going through this, I went and grabbed a picture of Ayn Rand and put it in the channel alongside the picture of the other person. And I don't know, it feels like it's a joke. It feels like it's a mock-up. It feels like someone's basically said, could we like Photoshop or model or, you know, do a thispersondoesnotexist.com until we get someone that looks vaguely like Ayn Rand (laughs) and we'll do that. She's even got a similar fucking hairstyle to Ayn Rand in her one beauty pose. Yeah. Well, they they have someone working for them called Web Beard, which is fucking amazing. <laughs> this is this is very Web clearly Beard all made and up. his army of chin spiders. <laughs> <laughs> well, yeah. Speaking of listening. If you sign up to the Patreon, you will get access to Black Thoughts one week early, and those will be releasing on whatever schedule. So when you get one, you get one. Um, you can sign up to the Patreon, patreon.com forward slash praxiscast. You can buy t-shirts at teespring.com forward slash stores forward slash praxiscast. And we will see you all next week. Yep. Thanks, everyone. <laughs> Bye-bye. Cheerio. Bye. Bye.